0: James uh, chapter 3 verse 1 Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into uh, uh, the mouths of horses so they obey us, uh, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. I grew up wanting to be a leader because leaders, uh, you know, stand up and use their words. And um, I I don't know how to use anything. I, I am terrible at working with my hand, terrible at all these things, but I've had words, and that's been something that, that, that I, I sort of know how to use. So I'm like, okay, great. Like, that's it. And, and, and then I would watch TV shows. I would, I would watch, my favorite show was Law and Order. Da-dum, 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 da-dum. Um, and I loved the, the police procedural part was cool, but I loved the courtroom stuff. And I wanted to be like Jack McCoy, up using powerful words and swaying the jury. And then I thought, okay, wait a minute, I could also, because I like to to listen to like uh, political talk radio and things, and I'm like, I could then go into politics. I could be a lawyer, then go into politics, and this would be amazing. That was my plan. Thank you, Lord, for not giving me the thing I thought I wanted. (laughs) Yeah, you guys should be clapping, because I would have been terrible, absolutely terrible. Um, I had this epiphany, though, that uh, leadership is hard. Like, really hard. And, um, and one of the reasons leadership uh, uh, is, is hard is that the words of a leader are extra heavy. That uh, This is what James is, is starting this passage with. Uh, little words, even, can, can hit in a heavy way. Words that are whispered can feel like, like they're just pounded in, right? And, and that's, a, that's a hard thing. Little words can have a big impact. And he gives two word pictures here. The the, the little tiny bit in a horse's mouth controls the entire big old horse. The little rudder on the ship controls the whole direction of the ship. Words have have a huge impact even though they are small. And, And I think this can be a good thing uh, if you really want that, I thought I did. Then I realized what was entailed, and I'm like, no. Now, I've spent the better part of my adult life trying to get out of being in an authority position. <laughs> and I have sort of, I've sort of gone full circle. I, and, uh, but you, can't, you just can't do that. I, I remember, I'm sure we have some basketball fans in here. I remember in the 1990s, watching um, my, my Phoenix Suns. I was a Phoenix Suns fan back then. I don't know why. Because so I was from, anyway. Oh, it's because the Mavericks stunk back then. That's why. Um, and their star player was Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley, the, the round mound of rebound, as they called him. And he uh, was known, in addition to being this great rebounder, um, he was also known for his attitude because he had a terrible attitude (laughs) and he was he's kind of the bad boy you know and he would do these things get taxed and get thrown out of games but he would also just in these interviews just spout out and say whatever he wanted and then people would get upset with him so there was this one year when Barclay went on this sort of crusade for himself this kind of PR crusade and he made this big Nike commercial some of you guys might remember this it was this I am not a role model yeah, has a commercial like, I am not a role model. And then it shows all these highlights of him dunking. <laughs> Just because I dunk a basketball doesn't mean I should raise your kids, you know? <laughs> and, you know, it was interesting. and All kinds of people were talking about it. And we're like, okay, I can. But at the end of the day, it's like, uh, no, it doesn't work, Charles. It doesn't work. And I think he knew it too. I think later on he sort of backed away. It's like, is it even possible? Well, no, it's not. You can't just say, I no longer want any kind of authority or repercussions over what I say. You just can't. Your words will make a splash. I have thought since I discovered that, that leadership is hard. <laughs> you have, responsibility is hard. Um, I, I have often thought it'd be great if I could... If I if I could just introvert, which is what I'd like to do, I could just I could just go over uh, uh, to to my East Side office every day and just write. I'd just be a writer. And, and i Joshua says I've tried to quit every every week for the past ten years. <laughs> it's, it's only half true. <laughs> um, but I think that would be so much so much better. And and that's such a naive idea. Because first of all, if you're writing, then your words are still having a, an like the whole thing is silly. It's like, oh, so now? And the fact is every single one of us are leaders in some capacity. And, I know, parents, if you're a parent, there's a very unfair thing about the world. And it's this, your words will dent your child. And you might whisper it. You might say it offhand. You might say it half-joking. You might say it just in in one instance and not mean it all like this. But that thing can have an incredible effect, a great effect or a detrimental effect for years down the road. James starts out talking to teachers, but this principle, he ends up broadening. And he doesn't actually mention teachers for the rest of this whole bit. Because words in general are bigger, have a bigger impact than their size. So he says, be careful with these itty-bitty words. They will do big things. Uh, You cannot wiggle out of the fact that life and death are in the power of the tongue. You can't wish it away by saying you're not a role model. Some of you remember what happened in September, somewhere in Northern California, I don't remember. Somebody decided to have a gender reveal party. Baby, baby that was coming. Um, I don't understand gender reveal parties, but I'm not hating on anybody who does them. I just suspect it's it's an excuse to have cake. And I'm actually okay with that. I always tell you guys we need to like have dumb excuse not to dumb is not have any excuse at all to get together and have cake. Like that's okay with me, especially if there's chips and salsa, it's extra good. I suspect that's what happened wherever they were in Northern California, and they decided to have this real fun way to show that they're having a boy. And so they had this little pyrotechnic thing set up, and it was gonna explode, and blue smoke if it's a boy, pink if it's a girl. Well, I saw the video, and there was some blue smoke, but there was a lot of gray smoke, and instantly everything caught fire. <laughs> and the wind whipped that up into a forest fire and it burned something like 24,000 acres. James says, "'How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and is tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Tell us how you really feel, James. <laughs> he gives three images here of the wildness and the, 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 the danger of the tongue, right? The, uh, the first, the, that wildfire, a little, a little thing. Oh, it's just a little pyrotechnic, just for a party. Another one, he, he says, wild animals. Now, in first service, you guys are all second service people, obviously. But in first service, my kids sit back there, and they sit back with our service dog, Lily. I couldn't say her name first service, because otherwise she would start whimpering and want to run up to me. <laughs> because she loves me the most. <laughs> I said that when Sarah was interpreting. She rolled her eyes. Lily is out of stage right now. Of course, she's training up to be Jack, my, my autistic son, his, his, his service dog. She's been in training for like a year, and it'll be like another year. But I feel like the past couple months, she's regressed because she's like being real. She's behaving really, really well. But now when she comes into church and she sees people, that tail starts wagging like this. It's like a windshield wiper on high when she wants to run to you so badly. And um, so I asked her trainer, Leanne, I'm like, uh, is this, is this normal? Because I feel like she's losing ground. And she's like, <laughs> laugh. She's like, yes. The dog is basically a teenager. <laughs> He's only like a year and a half. But, you know, dog, like, this is like, becoming an adolescent here. And, and so, so impulse control is very difficult for her right now. But it's a stage and she'll come out of it. And, and I, was, I was very grateful. And also marveling about this whole realm of training animals. It's amazing to me. I, I, I read the book Seabiscuit. Has anybody read that book? Oh, Mark read it. It's, it's a, oh, Sharon, you read it? It's really, really good. And the movie's good too. And, and it, you've got like this trainer cowboy guy and, and who always sleeps under the stars and, and is kind of this mysterious guy. But he has this incredible innate ability to come in to where there's some wild stallion and like calm the thing down and break this horse. It's, um, it's an amazing thing to me. And you think about how this happens with, with animals even more fierce. Like, you know, in the circus, you've got lions who are jumping through hoops and not eating the delicious-looking man with the mustache. Like, that's incredible. You've got people in Vegas shows with, with tigers who teach, their, teach the tigers how to do magic or something. I don't actually know how that works. <laughs> and all of this incredible stuff. And James says, yeah, guess what? The tongue is more fierce than all of that. In fact, you can't tame the tongue. I don't know what your Bible says and your whatever you have in here, but as I was reading in the English Standard Version, I was reading the headings. You know, the headings are what the publishers put in there for our sake. Okay, James or Jacob, whatever his name was, did not actually write the headings in there. But do you know what the publishers of the ESV put in my section? Maybe it says this in yours. Taming the tongue. Does anyone always have that in your section? Taming the tongue. That's what it says. It's hilarious to me because James is specifically talking about how the tongue cannot be tamed. (laughs) (laughs) Here's how to tame the tongue. No, no. He's saying you can't. Very funny to me. Now, uh, uh, that would seem hopeless. The end. Can't tame the tongue. Sorry. You guys are all out of luck. But that's not where he stops. Verse 10. Verse 10 of chapter... Three says with it with the tongue we bless our Lord and Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is a profound response to 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 this quandary here it, it, He mirrors once again James is always mirroring the teachings of Jesus, and one of the things Jesus is luke six verse forty three this is this is uh, uh, Peterson's tran- uh, uh, paraphrase in the message. He says, "This you don't get wormy apples off a healthy tree, nor good apples off a diseased tree. The health of the apple tells the health of the tree. You must begin with your own life-giving lives. It's it's you uh, uh, who are not what. Uh, sorry, it's who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Your true being brims over." Into true words and deeds, Oof. your true being brims over into your words and your deeds. Or, as we're more uh, familiar hearing, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The things that are in here lead to what comes out here. If your uh, if you if your apple tree keeps on growing bananas. I have some sad news for you, friend. You do not have an apple tree. You have a banana tree. If you have bad fruit with your tongue, I have some hard news for you, friend. The tongue is probably not your problem. The problem is in here. It's in your heart. I'm so glad that God dealt with me as a young man. Because I wanted to be a leader in a, a lot of different ways, but I had this real problem with the way that I spoke. I, right after I, I uh, graduated from, from high school, I, I had gone into a, a YWAM discipleship training school, and before I even got there, they had prayed for all of us and had all these scriptures and these prayers that they had already prayed, and, and and ahead of time, and when I got it, I was reading it, and it was like this verse, like the, the whole um, forest fire being set ablaze by, by your tongue, and it was all this stuff about, yeah, God wants to tame your tongue. Like, this, there's a problem here. Like, you people don't even know me, whatever. And it was exactly right. I'm often <laughs> so thankful that my wife did not know me in high school because she, we, I don't think we would be married if she knew me in high school. I, I, um, I had a real problem in this area. I thought I was Mr. Sarcasm. Well, I was, but I like took that on as like a good thing. A- and I really thought, this is, ju- this is who I am. This is just how God made me. And really, I was just kind of being a punk. There were three girls in my high school that did not like me at all, and I did not like them. We went to a Christian school, and uh, I I believed in the things that we said we believed, and and they uh, did not seem to, and so that led to all kinds of conflicts and uh, and arguments. And so I would often lash out And I would often, in a very condescending way, because I believed I was right, tell them so. And my words became like swords, and and I cut them. But I don't believe the problem was my tongue. The problem was I had this, see, I had this vault inside. And when I would think about them and something they said... I would add things. Well, that's stupid. Wow. Whew, that's really selfish. They're so wrong. And I would just fill it up with all this stuff, you know? And and over time, I had all kinds of stuff in there. And so anytime any pressure came, anytime any argument came, they were just right there. And that's what came out. I, I filled that vault with sarcasm and with insult and cutting remarks. And I thought, because I believed I was right on the issues, I thought that was just, hey, just consequences. Just saying. So God had to deal with, with that in, in, my, in my YWAM school. And even after that, I met my wife. We started dating. And... Uh, before we got married, we started dating, before we, we got married. <laughs> and, uh, and I realized one day w- with her that, um, that there were some, some things, that I, that some practical things that I needed to fix. For example, like in my family, we kind of yell a lot in my family <laughs> of origin, we yell a lot. And... Uh, we're, you know, kind of in your face in the way that we can communicate. I realized I couldn't do that with her and I couldn't use sarcasm. Sarcasm was not a dialect spoken in the Audette household. It was not. It was completely lost and and it was like, it it, it would hurt. And I realized that sometimes I would say things and and I, I made her cry one day and I realized I need to make some changes here. When James says you can't tame the tongue, He's not saying there aren't practical things and practice we can learn along the way. Because there were. So I realized I have to change some things the way I communicate. But get get this. It wasn't a hard change at all. Do you know why? Because my vault wasn't filled with contempt. It was with those girls in high school. I just kept stuffing stuff in here. But with her, I actually really liked her. And it wasn't just like, you're pretty. I mean, it's... It wasn't just, it was like stuff with her as as a as a person that I so admired and loved. So so then when pressure would come, yeah, there might be frustration or a careless thing said in frustration. And th- that is the case. There are things we have to like keep a rein on, right? But I didn't have a back I didn't have all the stuff pouring out because that's not what I was putting in. It's out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, Mount St. Helens erupted. I don't know if you guys ever heard that. (laughs) How many of you guys were around in this area, Mount St. Helens erupted? Jeff has told me stories. Really, really crazy. Now, as they knew it was going to erupt, and there were, you know, you you see in in places when there's cracks and, and, you know, all this stuff, and you've got, like, venting and all this. They can't go to those, you know, places where steam is coming out and just fill them with concrete. Because the pressure is building up to such a great extent, it's going to blow. You can't stop it. Whatever's down there is going to come out. That is the case with our heart. That's the case with those vaults we have. It's going to come out because pressure will come. And if we are putting contempt in there, then we're going to wind up in this place when James is like, we're praising God, and at the same time, we're cursing our brothers. We're cursing people made in the image of God. It should not be so. And he is speaking to us. He is not speaking to people who do not love Jesus. He's speaking to people who do. He's talking to us. In other words, he's talking to people who, who you know, I, I mean, I believe we're right about Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter that you're right. How are you loving your neighbor in the way that you're speaking to them? You don't get a pass just because you're right or because you think you're right. Do you see that? So I wanna make this humble suggestion. I think that when our hearts change, our words will change too. And if we are having a problem with our tongue and the way we're lashing out, and I don't just mean with this physical organ, I also mean with this tongue, these ones that type, because that's another way we use our tongue. Responding to comments or posting things, all all this kind of, that's another way of using words. And sometimes we have a tendency to dive in on those things and then regret it later. And it's a question of like, oh, why does this keep happening? It might be some practice, but it also might be what's going on? What are you storing in that vault towards that individual or that group of people or that political party or whatever it is? Because it's out of the abundance of what you're putting in there that's going to come out. You can't tame the tongue, but you can ask God to fix your heart. That's what James is saying. Are you with me? Yeah. Now, here's the irony. Sometimes it's precisely when we're right that we really have to watch what we say. Do so we have this thing of like, well, I'm, you know what? Pff, I'm just going to say it because it needs to be said. And I, fine. You know, you don't want the truth with love. You're just going to get the truth, because that's better than nothing. Just saying. (laughs) I don't think that's true. I think you actually do more harm if you do that. what What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 13? You can have all knowledge. You can be right about everything, and if you do it without love, what are you? Clanging cymbal. You're a noisy gong. You're loud and obnoxious, and stop. this hit home with me this week because God did do a big work in my heart in this area and I'm so grateful. And, and uh, um, but I was driving by myself this week into Eugene and I was planning this sermon and sort of walking through it in my head and I do a lot of that kind of, I do a lot of thinking, thinking, taking walks, driving, whatever. And um, I'm thinking about this and this concept and somehow my mind wanders and I find myself in a fictitious argument with somebody. You guys do this? Like suddenly you're rehearsing an argument that you've never actually had. And then you're like, so I'm thinking about this loved one. And and then, but I go, it goes a step further. I wasn't just thinking about it. I start talking out loud in my car to this loved one about a political pundit that they had said they admired. And I I just went and I I start talking. I'm like, you know, the problem with him is that he's an idiot. Those words came out of my mouth to nobody in particular. And I felt like the minute they came out, I felt like God went, Hey! (laughs) That's when you just get caught. I mean, I just got caught. Like, I didn't even think about it. It just came out. Why did it come out? Because I had thought about this particular public figure. And I thought so many, I put a lot of stuff in there. Wrong publicity, all these things I'd put in here. I'm like, oh my gosh, like all these things. So even the thought of talking to somebody who liked him, those are the things that came out. Idiot. (laughs) And James says, you praise God with that mouth? I love the way he puts it. You praise God, but then you curse people made in God's image. Like, that guy that I was saying that about, he's one of God's kids. He's God's child. Like, that should not be. Now, I fully believe this person is wrong on a host of things. And that's why I have to be careful. Because I believe the truth is here, but if that's the way I speak and think, that's going to boil over, and that does not share the love of Jesus, you know? It just doesn't. You guys, we've got to be so careful about this, especially in some of these areas where we feel this thing that we think is righteous anger. Maybe it is righteous. Sometimes I don't think it is. But sometimes it is. And when you hear that and you think that, then you can easily go into autopilot and start ranting and throwing out words. even Not like vicious, terrible words, but still going against the image of God in these people. And James says, brothers, it should not be this way. And we need to hear that. And I want to suggest to you, it's not because our lips are just loose. It's sometimes because our hearts have collected opinions and anger and frustration. And that's what comes out. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And that means we ought to bless our neighbor as well. There's good news here, however. I know that seems kind of bleak, but there's, here's the great news, right? This little tongue and these little words we say, there's also great power to heal. There's also great power to comfort. There's great power to love. I'll never forget, this is probably 20 years ago, we were staff on staff at, at YWAM in Tyler, Texas, and Sarah and I were newly married, and... Um, and uh, we had uh, just had this, you know, really tense time, and I had really hurt her and, uh, and apologized, and, and we, were, we were taking a walk. It's sort of one of these, like, that was heavy. I'm so sorry. I'm such a jerk. And she's still kind of, you know, Ugh. So we decided just to take this walk together, and I'm feeling so guilty. And we're skipping a, a big YWAM meeting that night because my love language is skipping meetings. And we're walking hand-in-hand on the Y-O-M base, and I I hear this this van come up, sound behind us. And I hear this voice, shh, sounds like this. Hey, 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 awesome man of God! (laughs) (laughs) Some of you didn't know, if you didn't know, Jeff Starr and I go way, way back. And he was, he was uh, on, on staff with us and, and he saw me and he said that. Now, I had heard that greeting hundreds of times before. Now, it's 20 years later and I've heard it tens of thousands of times. <laughs> but here's the thing. It hit me in an uninspected and pretty powerful way that day. Because I'll tell you, I didn't feel like an awesome man of God. I felt like a, a big jerk. But th- that word just hit me. And it did something here of like, it's gonna be okay. God doesn't look at me as a failure. Neither does my wife, like her grace and his grace, and, 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 and it's, gonna, it's gonna be okay. And throughout my life, the testimony of my friendship with Jeff Starr is this, he consistently reminds me who I am. With these little words that have a big, big impact. And I know there's many of you out there that could say the same thing about him. Can I, can I guess at why this is? I'm gonna guess at why this is. I think it's because Jeff Starr, Pastor Jeff, our youth pastor, does not allow his vault to be filled with anything but blessing. Jeff Starr believes the best about everyone now what happens then when pressure comes what's there he's not perfect we know that but I've known him for a really long time and I can count the times where I've heard him say something it's like ooh like on one hand I don't even know if I could get, how many fingers I could get because he fills it up with good things, and so good things come out. And, and that's a lesson and a challenge to me, you guys, because I tend to see I'm you know, more like the realist and want to see all these things, and it's like, okay, it's all right. Yes, and we can help one another in our own blind spots and weaknesses. But what am I filling in my heart? I want to fill it with blessing. I don't want to fill it with words like "idiot." We have a beautiful opportunity, friends, to treat God's kids with grace that heals, with grace that builds up, with grace that restores. That's our opportunity. And that's really cool because that's kind of what the world needs right now. Restoration, growth, healing, comfort. Those things came from the lips of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want them to come from my lips as well. Can we just pray for that? Who wants that? Yeah? All right. If you want that, why don't you let's just stand up if you want that. And let's just ask God to fill us with that grace. All right? Lord, you see in all the hearts here, people saying, I want that thing. So God, we ask that you would do a work in our hearts. God, I ask for all those sore places and all the places that there's vaults filled with with frustration or anger or bitterness, whatever it is, I pray you you would clean those things out for us, Lord. I pray that you would do a work in our hearts so that our speech can be filled with grace. That's what we need. And we don't have the power to do that. So help us, Lord Jesus. Forgive us for times where we just, we took things on for too long and they came out in ugly ways. We don't want to do that. (laughs) We stand with James, it ought not be that way, so help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. May we speak grace and joy and peace and comfort and love and healing to our neighbors and to one another. You guys agree with that prayer? Amen. Amen.